0: Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the community radio network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate and small business owner. Let's meet today's guests. So what could be possibly better than one small business educational podcast? Two. Two. Dan Osborne and Tim Garth from Two Drunk Accountants started their podcast a few years ago when they realised that accountants have a lot to give and talk about when it comes to their industry and small business education. Coupled with excellent commentary on the financial services sector and a generally good vibe, this podcast is highly recommended by yours truly. So what brings these like-minded vocal entrepreneurs together? Advocacy. You see, like Small Biz Matters, two drunk accountants do it out of a passion to deliver great advocacy for small business and excellent content when it comes to things that have been lacking for years. But there's a lot of companies and business leaders out there who do advocacy for other reasons. It's time we ask the question, who has a seat at the table and who really represents small business when key policies that affect your ability to function are decided? Welcome to the show, Dan and Tim.
1: G'day. How are you going?
0: It is so awesome to have you in the studio, guys. Thanks exactly, for It's great to be here. Indeed, indeed. Now, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, advocacy in general as well. But first, let's do a little bit of a talk about the podcast. So tell me about why it started and why you did it.
1: So, uh, yeah. So as you said, we've been, we've been doing it for a number of years now. Um, really, our purpose and the whole reason we started is because we have a passion to educate Small businesses, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of accountants out there, a lot of professionals out there who hide behind a a barrier of of knowledge, really, and and they rely on the fact that their clients don't really know as much as them. (laughs) But we don't think that that's a recipe for success. So, our whole purpose was to really to to educate people and to give them the knowledge and the tools that they need to to succeed in whatever that means for them. It it might be growing their business for more money. It might mean, uh, you know, less stress. uh, There's a whole bunch of things. So our whole purpose was just let's just talk about topics for questions we get every day. Um, And that could be anything from tax questions to how do I write a business plan?
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: The
2: other other side of things was we love banter. We love having a bit of fun. (laughs) Um, Dan and I were always uh, chewing the fat in the office, talking about things that our question uh, our clients might be asking us, um, and breaking those down, and and just saying, "Well, these things they're just really not understood, um, and there's no information out there for people to get." Yeah. So, and we love podcasts ourselves; we're podcast nerds um, from years back. So we thought, "Let's let's give it a go. Let's have a beer <laughs> and record a podcast." Hence two drunk accountants.
0: So. I love it actually. And I love the fact that you are you work together in your own business, Cat's Accounting as well. And it's great that you're both, um, I guess, uh, working together, but also dedicating this time, this extra time. Is it a matter of positioning yourselves as the experts or is it really just giving expertise out there?
1: Yeah, th- there's, there's an element of that. Uh, I think the main reason was to get the knowledge out there. Um, as Tim said, we have multiple conversations each day with clients on the exact same topic. So for instance, let's take JobKeeper.
0: Yeah, let's do that. The the, the
1: amount of phone calls we received asking about JobKeeper and it's like, okay, well, I can have this conversation 50 times or I can record an episode of the podcast and give that to everybody and they can go back and listen again and again and again. Um, So the main reason was, yeah, let's, let's give that information to them As a consequence, yeah, people do see us as the expert. Um, I I would hope that they were coming to us because they did feel we were the experts anyway. (laughs) But it it is definitely a byproduct but wasn't the wasn't the main purpose.
0: Yeah, and I love the way you also um you you it's about you not having to say that conversation over and over again. Is it is it just JobKeeper? What other things do your clients and therefore the broader small business community want to know about?
2: Oh, look, it's it's a bunch of different things. I mean, we our first few episodes we ever did were about legal entities because that is one of the most common questions we get from people new to business. What um, entity structure should I be running my business oh, in? Yes,
0: everyone wants to know. What's <laughs> yeah. the best way to save as much tax as possible? Exactly.
2: But So, then we've done some really complicated topics like fringe benefits tax, which do accountants head in. Oh, that um, does my <laughs> yeah.
0: Um
2: And we've also done things like GST 101 mm. um, because at its most basic level, a lot of business owners don't actually understand how the GST system works. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and so, um, that's yeah, we, we cover a whole range of things. And then sometimes we just get guests on. Um, like we'll, we'll have you on, on our podcast too. Yeah, um, reciprocal
0: and, podcasting. Yeah,
2: that's right. Um, to just talk about their journey, their learnings in business and, and hear what they're doing as well.
0: And your audience is not obviously just your clients because you've grown your brand and you've grown this advocacy role. Because that's what you kind of fall into when you create a voice for your clients through education you take on that role. Has that been a burden or is it something that you've both embraced?
1: To be honest, it's not something we thought about when we started it. So we, we assumed, you know, 50 of our friends would listen to this podcast when we, when we started and, and somehow uh, it, just, it grew. Uh, people started listening. Our target was small businesses, but we found there was a, a big contingent of accountants that started listen to the podcast so I'd probably say it's it's half small businesses half accountants that mm-hmm. listen to our podcast and that's something that we didn't expect and from that I guess you know we've been able to get in the room so to speak and, and speak to um, people who we never thought we'd have the opportunity to to talk with and mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say we felt the burden or responsibility. We've, we've loved it. You know, we, we, We've loved the opportunity to get in there and, and have these conversations with people and try and get the voice, as you said, um, of what people are telling us out into the world and, and, and try and make some, some level of change or, or at least um, the knowledge out there that, hey, this is what people are actually thinking and, and
2: feeling. It is an evolving piece for us, though. So, like I said, we started out because we just wanted to do something fun and and spread some knowledge. Um, But, yeah, we are hoping to keep growing it and finding new avenues. And and one of them is advocacy, hopefully in the future. Maybe we can um, help be a voice for the broader small business community or the accounting industry. Um, I think so, you
0: guys already are. Uh,
2: well, thank you. <laughs> we don't see. This is the thing we don't really consider ourselves in in that light. We just do it because we enjoy doing
0: it. Tim, just before we started, you were mentioning how it's a natural role for accountants and bookkeepers to be um, to be that voice for their for their clients, especially mm. those who are a little bit more active in the business community. Why do you think that is?
2: Yeah. Well, I think we have a lot of relationships in the community. Which um, people don't see? I guess a lot of my friends, and you know, it's it's September now, but we've just finished tax time. in Inverted commas, right? So a lot of people see accountants as a personal tax house, but um, we have so many relationships with business owners, and and as we are finding through COVID, uh, small business is the backbone of the economy in Australia. So I think yeah, accountants have so much knowledge and insight into what's actually happening in their community and um, they they actually do have an important piece in, in advocacy for yeah. that community. It's just that over time, I'm not sure why, maybe because accountants have perhaps been worried about competition with other accountants or perhaps haven't had a platform or time maybe um, or like podcasting capabilities <laughs> that uh, accountants really haven't, being able to be advocates or or try and have a say for, for their clients. So, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting one. I, I believe we have more we could be doing for our clients uh, in that space.
0: So, what would you say to the accountant or the bookkeeper out there who says, look, I feel really passionate about the negative experiences or perhaps the positive experiences or what's happening to the businesses in just my community how can they become more engaged they've got that passion they've got that desire to help what would you recommend to them to become more engaged with the advocacy role that's possibly there for them
1: well, the easiest example is start a podcast, <laughs> but but not everyone is going to have an audience and, and is going to have um, the confidence or the ability to do that. Um, but I think to start with, you just need to, to be in the community and you need to speak to people. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, you can't represent someone if you don't know what they what they think, so getting out there, speaking to as many business owners as you can, um, going to events like the the chamber events or uh, if if you're an accountant, you know the cPA CA, IPA or all, all these places, go to those events, go speak to people in your community, speak to other people in your profession, mm. speak to other accountants, as Tim was kind of just talking about a little bit before. Accountants yeah. rarely used to speak to each other, <laughs> yeah. but we, that's changing we, we find that you know it's no longer having a chat. And there's a sense of competition between the two. It's it's more, hey, how are you doing? What are you finding is is happening right now? How how are your clients doing? Um, and without having those conversations, I don't think you can begin to be an advocate.
0: And great developments in the um, the role, uh, uh, like the the actual profession itself, like things like niching or specialising in a particular plat- software platform, has meant that that competition. Um, has kind of gone down a little bit because people are specializing. True.
2: I, I, think, I think accountants are getting more clear on their purpose, thinking about their why, um, which is great. And that is proliferating through to their clients and vice versa. We're learning from our clients, they're learning from us. Um, but yeah, I think Dan hit the nail on the head there. Just getting out and and being a part of the community and having some sort of greater purpose than just making profit mm. is, is a really good thing for accountants to do. And in a funny way, um, that's going to help their business grow too because it's not really like a competitive, I want all the clients versus the lo- other local accountant or bookkeeper type of market anymore. And and accounting softwares have had a big part to play in that, in building a community focus. So so yeah, I think if if accountants can be purpose-focused... And, and think about what drives them. Mm. It, nothing could be better than fulfilling that purpose. And if that happens to be uh, helping a community, then even better. We're
0: going to take a break here on Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. And when we return with Tim and Dan from Two Drunk Accountants, we're going to be speaking about um, the role of advocacy in general for small business. You're here on Triple H. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural, and oil industry codes. Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. So we're back in the room with Dan and Tim from Two Drunk Accountants, and we've been talking a little bit before the break about the role of accountants and uh, the role they have in the small business community locally. Let's let's look at bigger picture now. Let's talk about advocacy as a, as a whole. What do you guys think is happening in that small business world when it comes to advocacy? Who really speaks for us broadly?
1: Yeah, I think I think this is something that has changed. Um, Recently, especially you know, especially with the the rise of technology, um, cloud-based softwares, all, all these places that people are now going to, for their information um, is is very different to what it might have been ten years ago. So, mm. um, you know. 10 years ago, you had a question, you'd go to your accountant or you'd call you know, the business chamber or something to, to get some information. These days, you go on your computer and you hit Google and, and you type it in, you go, you know, what is JobKeeper? <laughs> or uh, you know, when are these laws changing? Or whatever it is that you're trying to find. Um, and I think the space is really beginning to be filled by uh, the, the bigger accounting software companies. And, and that's, that's quite interesting to see that happen. And as Tim was kind of saying before, they are partly responsible for developing this sense of community um, that accountants and bookkeepers and people now feel that they never did. So I, I think that more and more, uh, really, the, these softwares are becoming the advocates for for the small business community. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting concept. You're absolutely right. Things have evolved even in the last two or three years. I think um, the actual advocates like COSBOA and um, Kate Carnell's office, Aspifio, the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman, they are really getting a lot more media attention. It used to be that only on small business issues you would hear from the small business advocates. But now it seems as though small business has a voice for everything because it's being recognised as having a... A touch point for every um, part of the news, including overseas. So it, it, it doesn't matter what it is that people are talking about. It seems as though small businesses having a voice. And when you increase that capacity for small business to have a voice, you almost um, increase the stage and you add more voices to it. I think the concerns that I have are in and around software companies positioning themselves in terms of PR as advocates. When advocates in true form Uh, either represent members because they're elected or they represent uh, professional bodies because they've been chosen to be, their membership base is professional bodies, which is the case of COSBOA, or they are um, independently um, uh, given the position by government, which is the role of Kate Carnell's office. I think it's a slippery slope when we enable commercial interests to take that role. And, And you were just mentioning before, Tim, about even at the local level, there's a lot of people who pertain to be advocates when really the business chamber or the group that they're representing is just a front for their own business.
2: Very true. I think um, it's really interesting because you would say in the past – I believe, there hasn't been a lot of advocacy for small business. So small business hasn't really had a voice. So there was your chamber. And we all know the political goings on at chambers. Oh, well, it's like
0: any committee, any <laughs> right? representative volunteer committee is going to be fraught with danger. They're all coming
2: together with different purposes and reasons for being there. So, so there's the chamber. Then, then you've got um, industry groups. Now, industry groups are good at lobbying government or, or for, a, for a cause. Now, they also have their own reasons. Dan and I commonly complain. We're both CPAs. Uh, we commonly complain about our own group, the CPA, for not knowing what we actually want or actually speaking to us about what we want. So, uh, recently, they made a change um, that well, they announced something with government around superannuation and the accountant's exemption, which we're like, what? Hold on. I don't agree with that. <laughs> so um, it is interesting to see accounting software moving into that space. I do hope it it will help small business and and I guess be a more organised, planned way of uh, moving in the right direction for small business. But you are right; they have a vested interest in in I guess uh, getting their brand out there, getting their name out there, and looking like the good guys. Well,
0: the the, the question is, who do they report to? Mm they don't report to yep. members they don't they're not elected they report to shareholders Very full shady. stop so at the end of the day it is a commercial venture and I think it's a, a really fine balance. But having said that though, the power of data, that's what's changed. Mm. They have, con- not control, they're very generous with their aggregated data and it is a very, very important a policy, ma- policy decision. It's an important part mm. of that. So there's, there's a balance to be found because you don't want to annoy them and have them withhold all that data because mm. otherwise policymakers are back to making decisions based on who's got the loudest voice in the room. Mm. You want it to be aggregated data. Mm.
2: Oh, I was just going to say it's really interesting you say that. and And a year ago, roughly, we we're at Zerocon and we were sitting in the room at Brisbane, and they were going through the information they have. And I love zero. Um and I, I started thinking, wow, the amount of information and influence they have. Zero is going to be a political party, so <laughs> like that is how strong they are. That is yeah. how much information and uh, weight they are going to pull mm. with economic data. So um, it's really interesting and, and like I said, I love Zero and I trust them. Mm. Um, but that is a lot of... I do mean, you trust big- them in
0: the role of advocate? That's the question. Yeah. I trust them to run excellent product and I trust them to aggregate the data. I have no issue with them taking the data and doing the right thing with that. But it's what they do with it and how they position that information.
1: I think you raise a really good point that really there's two sides of it. There's They have all that data. They have the ability to show the government in real time... And they do. And they do share. And and they do. Here's how um, the economy really is doing. Here's how much people are spending. Here's how much wages are being paid. They have all this information. Um, But at the same time... uh, should they be sitting in a room with policymakers saying, this is maybe what you should do? Now, I think there is a room for industry mm. to be in the room. They should be talking about the realities of, of completing these things. Um, but it, but it is an interesting um, thought process to be like, okay, yes, they have that information, but should they be part of the decision-making from that information? Mm. Um, the other side of it, which which you guys were kind of speaking about just a second ago, was... Yes, we have these industry bodies. We have professional associations. We have the CPA, the CA, and all all these places. Um, How many times have they come to our office to speak to us just to speak and see how we're going and and ask what we need and what we're after? Zero. None.
0: But they get big, and then you become small.
1: Zero is quite big. MYAB are quite big. QuickBooks are quite big. Each of those people have been to our office. Yes, they're selling us something, but, but more often than not, we're already buying their products. They're coming to just to maintain that relationship, find out more. We're able to, to call them. We're able to speak to most people there because we've interviewed most of them and, and just you know say things, propose things. But at the CPA or at the CA, yes, you can call, but it just kind of feels like they've got their own group <laughs> and they're thinking about these things separately yeah, to us. Yeah,
0: but the CPA is largely mostly underfunded and has a lot smaller you know, boots on the ground when it comes to going and talking to people. I guess large companies can throw resources, throw people at that role, go out and reach out and communicate with and ask the questions, which has, you know, we all recognise that has two twofold, but they're listening. How can we expect a professional association that runs you know, on the smell of an oil rag and doesn't have the resources to be able to compete with that. So isn't it the fault of the software companies who have muddied the waters and created so much white noise out there, not just on the face-to-face front, but also in social media that we now don't know who represents us anymore?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I would even say, um, just, just talk, having this conversation now, I realise that some recent hires at Zero as well have got political background. <laughs> um, they were actually in political offices working in that industry. So,
0: Working I mean, as PR people or mm, in government correct. agencies. Yeah,
2: yeah so, so perhaps they are moving in that direction, um, trying to build their community, which is obviously going to be helpful for their brand and mm. um, for their business.
0: Wouldn't it be great if we had one of them here? Like it would be really awesome if we actually had someone here representing, but we're trying to do the right thing. We well, are really seriously taking this data really seriously and we know how powerful it is yeah. and we're trying to do the right thing. Um, I just think it's just it's just a fine line.
2: Yeah, I, and here's the thing that I think Zero is really good at. They are forward thinking. They are happy to associate themselves With different things. They're they're not like... I I think the CPA would be scared to come on our podcast because we're called the two drunk accountants. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas Zero sent out their managing director of Australia, Trent Innes. He's been on our podcast three times. Yeah. So it just goes to show that Zero is willing to have that conversation. And the CPA, I don't think they are underfunded. I don't think they run on the smell of an oily rag. Our fees are quite expensive. <laughs> 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 and they had used, they used to sponsor the Australian Open. And they had a very, very well-known uh, fallout from their CEO, the, the naked CEO, um and his bonus payout his golden handshake
0: well again i mean like again we don't have them in the room to be able to necessarily i don't want to say the word defend but necessarily explain the scenario but look you are coming at it from that perspective and no doubt that there may be other people who are members who who feel that way but hey why don't you just go to another uh, professional association
1: because they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's, honestly, that is something that we're thinking about doing on, on, on our Ooh. podcast is, is getting.
0: You heard it here first. Yeah,
1: is, is getting a, a member or a representative from each of these bodies, getting them in the same room with us, or maybe via Zoom these days, and, and saying, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing different to these guys? What are you doing different to these guys? Because as far as I can tell, you're all doing the same thing and we don't feel like you're representing us.
0: And but, I wonder if yeah. that's happened the same with other professional associations. Are small businesses out there feeling as though they're not being heard, A, because they're not having people come and talk to them or reach out to them personally? Um, or are there, are there other software companies or industry groups i want to say commercial interests who are filling that void and it is a void i mean if we look at like the the development or the evolution of the chambers of commerce when they die or when they become when they eat themselves because of internal politics and they just fall apart though that void is is filled with a private networking group for instance who can who can see the benefits of networking and takes away all the politics so i think we all as members, need to do a better job of supporting our own professional associations as well. And we need to engage with them.
1: I, I think you're right. I, and that is something that, that we are trying to get better at, is actually engaging with these people um, and saying, hey, we have some ideas <laughs> or, or we have some thoughts on what you're doing, let's have a chat. Um, and And that's something that... That, yeah, we we have been thinking more and more about. We have been thinking, yes, we can sit here and complain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other part of it is with these professional bodies that we're just currently just writing off, um, they do have multiple purposes. You know, they are there as advocates for our profession, but they're also there to ensure a certain level of quality and trust yeah. is maintained in our profession. Yeah. So they ha- also have dual responsibilities. Um, yeah. so finding the line between what they need to spend more time on, I can imagine, isn't an easy task. So And there's
0: also things like, you know, they're looking at traineeships for younger people coming into the industry. They're advocating for the education side of what's happening in a particular industry. Let's take the Master Builders Association. They would be constantly communicating with places like TAFE and private institutions to make sure that the education is of a quality standard. Plus, they've got to look after their members and make sure they're heard. Plus, they've got to talk to government and make sure that they're advocating. So, I think... And that, to me, is the difference between an advocacy group and a commercial interest. The commercial interest can be a little bit more streamlined in their approach, whereas the advocacy or the professional association is constantly going to be pulled in so many different directions while they try and meet the needs of an entire industry. I'm just going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk some more to Tim and Dan from Two Drunk Accountants as we reciprocate podcasts. You're listening to Triple H. We'll be back after this. Do you or someone you know need extra support? Just Better Care Hills to Horns M on a, I want to say, Wednesday. So you're listening to Small Business Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. And if you've just joined us, we've been speaking to Tim and Dan from Two Drunk Accountants about the role of advocacy, the role of corporate Australia filling the void that has been left by... I guess, community groups and real advocacy groups out there that are not quite doing the role they need to. But we would say, at a federal level, we've got COSBOA, Council of Small Business Officers Australia, and Peter Strong at the helm. We've got Kate Carnell, who's the um, Australian Small Business Commissioner, um, and they do have a seat at the table. Now, the question is, how can the typical small business owner access them because they're not sort of on the end of the phone, so what, how do you actually talk to those guys?
1: Yeah, and that, I was literally just going to ask you the same question. So yeah, we, we're we're talking about all these bodies that are out there, and Cosboa and, and, and all these places, but to the average small business owner, they've never heard of that. Yeah. They don't know what that is. Mm. <laughs> uh, how do they actually get in touch with these people? How, how do they ensure that the people sitting at the table are actually representing their voice? Mm. Um, one way is to be a member of these associations that you need to be a member of.
0: And communicate with them.
1: And communicate yeah. with them, which is something we spoke about just before. Uh, so that's something that you should definitely do. And and as we said right at the beginning of, of today's show... Uh, talk to people, get in touch with them, find out what's going on and communicate. Um, that's really important. No one knows what you're feeling. No one knows what you want to happen unless you tell them.
0: Yeah, people are not only not mind readers, but also there's so much noise out there that you have to speak slightly louder these days to make yourself heard. And, and I'll answer that question as well, is that um, Council of Small Business Officers Australia, is, Associations Australia, I should say, is um, they represent all the professional bodies. So you can discover whether or not your own professional body is a member of COSBOA and all that information that you give your professional association filters up to them and they're the ones who are helping making policy decisions. Uh, You can, of course, reach out to them via your professional association. It comes down to that. You have to be involved and you can't just go, I've got a membership and I've got something on my email signature that says I do and I've got a sticker on my door. You've got to... We have all of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got to to create a voice for yourself for your business and in the role of advisors for your clients.
2: It's interesting. I mean, one thing that we've found and this isn't really advocacy but you know, we have our own small business, uh, our accounting firm, and we found actually just finding like-minded business owners in your area to have brekkie with once a month is another way of actually just speaking to other people, hearing about what they're doing I think that is one way, which eventually you could get some sort of advocacy. Because if you get enough of you, you've got no, similar no, views no, and that, purposes. No, no, I disagree. That's just yeah. chat.
0: That's just whinging on a Facebook page oh. or having a chat to each other and complaining. You have to be involved at the um, advocacy level, and you mm-hmm. have. And, and but you're right. There are small ways that you can do it, and bringing people together yeah. is great. But you have to take the information that you've got and stand behind it and say, no, this is what this group of people are saying and I need to um, I need to be a voice for them. And that's hard because mm. not everybody can do that. That's
2: probably, I guess, coming from someone who has seen that as a waste of time in the past. I guess me as a small business owner coming through in a small community on the Central Coast, I look at those organisations and I just think, they're never going to hear my voice. They're never going to actually listen to me, give me some feedback or give me some advice. And that's where I think, you know, if you take it down to a, a lower level, if it is just a peer network that you're looking for, mm. then that is a great option. If, if you just want to be heard, then, then that's nice. You've got people that can hear. You. But if you want to make change, you are right. You would need to go to a higher level and look for some of those organizations. But I do think there is a lot um, left to be desired from that because I can't, as an accountant who has been in business, working in business for 10 to 12 years, there's no, I didn't know about Cosboa until you mentioned it this morning.
0: And I'll be honest, I didn't know about them either until about three or four years ago. And that goes to how much white noise is being created out there by other groups that shouldn't be in that space. And they should, if nothing else, be supporting and pushing forward the actual real voice of advocacy so that we're all aware of it and then we can all engage with it. But if we don't know about it, we can't engage with it.
1: I think, yeah, I think what you're both kind of getting at here is that you know, on, on the lower level, as Tim was saying, you need to know what's happening. You need to speak to your peers. You need to know what's going on. But each of those people can't then go and have a seat at that table. And so so you do need to go, okay, well, it seems to be the general consensus is this. I need to go push for that. Who do I speak to? Yes. Who, who's the next step?
0: So I want to raise a couple of issues that I think are quite common um, that face all small business owners and maybe we can have a little bit of a discussion around what people in the advisory role can do to support them and to help push these things across the line. So one of the things that when I was doing some research for this show, uh, a couple of the small business groups mentioned was the inequity in small business loans. So the fact that the majority of small businesses, and you guys would know this as accountants, are literally funding their cash flow with credit cards, which is... 20%. Twenty percent, whereas uh, big business, who have the balance sheets and who have uh, you know the, the the backing of investors, can say, "Hey, we've got like twenty million dollars behind us. Sure, we do. Uh, so, what we'd like to do is borrow money at two percent." So, how do we? That's a major problem for cash flow and for businesses. How do we take that issue, which faces every small business out there, and advocate and um, I guess try and fight for them?
2: Yeah, it's super tricky because, I mean, we've seen the Royal Commission recently. Um, Banks have such a high prudential um, rating or, I guess, level that they need to adhere to that lending to small business is not, in my mind, going to get easier unless there is some change to rules or legislation or some backing by government, like there has been during COVID. Um, And even then, with the government guaranteeing 50% of those COVID loans, I haven't seen any lent to my clients, yeah, and they have been applying,
0: and they have so, been applying, yes. So yes. the reality on the ground is different from what the policymakers are doing. That's right.
2: So it's, why is that disconnect? It's happening? noise. It's just noise. And then, well, the banks, the banks are lending a lot of money there, and only fifty percent of it is guaranteed. So you can still see in their mind, they need some security there. Um, Now, the other side of things is there are some new players in that space. So, uh, over the last few years, there's been like Moolah, Prosper. Um, They're doing loans that say 13%, 14% per annum and they will turn around and give you that loan within two days. Mm. They go into your accounting software and they will um, make the approvals process quite streamlined and quick, which is awesome for small business. But still, the interest rate is no good. (laughs) Recently, we've been talking to our local... Uh, a local bank in our area who we're going to get onto the podcast. So uh, they are from ANZ actually. And they're showing a really um, high interest in in lending to business. Isn't this just more noise? It it, it is noise, but it's interesting because there were some things that they were telling us that that I found quite interesting around if you have relationships and and if you do have, in their eyes, a very viable business, they are more willing. There is lending there to be given. So you are right. Bigger businesses, well-known businesses are more likely to get good rates for finance. Mm. Other than that, you're putting your house on the line or you're selling your house to get funding to do that startup that you want, which we recently spoke to Andrew Patton Smith from Jazoodle, and that's what he had to do. (laughs) So, it's a problem. I can't see it changing unless government steps in and does something because the banks can't lend money under the current rules um, without exorbitant interest rates.
0: Yeah. But don't we become a little bit of an Americanized economy if we're lending money to every man and his dog and then we have a collapse of the financial system? Yeah.
1: yeah it's, and it's So it is an interesting argument. I think, as Tim was kind of saying, uh, there is opportunity if you speak to the right people and know the right people, but that's not easy. <laughs> you know, not everyone knows, you know, most people going online and applying, they're not going into their branch and speaking to a local person. Even that person at the branch probably doesn't have the power to... Give you that loan, so mm. uh, it's it is a little bit of a disparity between big business and small business, and the ease at which you can get the fu- uh, funding to to do these things.
0: Yeah. yeah. So really, it's it's not a problem that can be solved overnight, and no, not even necessarily through advocacy or speaking up for businesses.
1: I think you can advocate to the government yeah. to change the rules somehow. I don't. I'm not. I don't know what that
2: rule would be. Yeah. <laughs> but but there needs to be some change. Yeah. This is. Uh, I mean. I would love to see the government come up with some creative things like this. So we, we want to see the economy pick back up and, and start moving forward and growing again. But so far, all we've had are wage subsidies and cash flow boosts and um, an immediate tax write-off. So I'm really keen to see what's going to come out in this budget. I know the CPA sent us uh, what they were advocating to the government around um, stimulus measures and they didn't even really note something in specific that they wanted. They just want the economy stimulated.
0: (laughs) So we need to be a little bit bolder and a little bit more uh, creative?
2: Yeah, and specific.
1: Go in with specifically. These are the four things you should do right now to help small businesses. Yeah, rather than saying,
0: you know, here's an idea that will make businesses flourish in this growing economy so that small business can continue to be the backbone of the economy. What is that? Yeah. Like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, yeah. give me something. I, I agree. People want something tangible. Mm. And in an age where we can Google something and get an answer instantaneously, mm. and it's quite specific, people don't want broad anymore. People don't want where will the economy be in five years' time. They want to be able to hear the starting gun when this is all over and run. Mm. And they need that, That um, I guess, those ideas around them. Mm. Uh, we're going to come right up against the the news in a moment. So I'd like to thank you guys so much for coming on Small Biz Matters with Two Drunk Accountants. It is so awesome to say that in the same sentence. Um, yeah. It's been great to have you guys. Tell us a little bit about where people can find your podcast and listen.
1: Yeah, so you can subscribe to Drunk Accountants uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts: iTunes, Spotify, everywhere it's found. Uh, you can get in touch with us via our email: two drunk at gmail com or feel free to follow us on all the social medias. It's at 2 drunk Accountants.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Thanks
1: for having us
2: as part of Guest Fest.
0: Guest <laughs> Fest, exactly. And the same thing goes for Small Mizz Matters, of course. You can uh, follow us with we'll just everything they said, but just represent it. <laughs> Do both. Do two drunk accountants and do small business matters because there's a wealth of information there. And if you've um if you've only just started listening to today, you've missed some of the podcast. You can of course catch up via iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to all of your excellent small business education. Just like two drunk accountants. Thanks once again for coming on the program, guys. Thank you. you. And uh, we'll see you all next week with another excellent guest here on Triple H 100.1 FM. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time.